We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel and Matt Brooks. Guys, how are we doing? Good, good. Uh, watched the well. It was a whole bunch of press conferences today, and that was fun to get some uh, some television programming of the latest Nets head coach, who I'm sure we will talk about quite a bit. But I'm good. Gloomy day in New York. Living. <laughs> Steve Nash looks incredible in Apollo. Incredible in Apollo. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've spoken about the the possible suit game of Mr. Nash. Um, I don't know if I want more Polo Steve or if I want suit Steve. Um, where it's going to be fun times ahead, me just analyzing the attire of Steve Nash for the next four years, hopefully. Yeah, welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. You know, we really <laughs> debate suits and polos on here. We don't talk much basketball. <laughs> no, but uh, as always, you guys can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and uh, Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, where are we going? So, lads, he tucked in the... No, okay. Um, let's... <laughs> well, I was kind of intrigued. But, he didn't have a belt on. <laughs> I mean, look, the pants were nice and slim. Look, uh, I'm, we're fashion guys here. Um, a little bit too much. Uh, I know that Matt has mentioned his metrosexual ways. I will vibe with that too. But yeah. on the quotes on from the presser on the Yes Network, um, he was on the W Fan podcast and he also was on the Jump. So I'm going to pick out some of the best ones. And thanks to guys like Billy Reinhardt, Alex Sturm, um, for, for chucking these out and aggregating them. It makes it a lot easier for, for schmucks like me. Um, mm. Steve Nash was asked about making the leap to coaching and he said this. It's a unique opportunity. It's an incredible roster. It's an incredible family with the Nets. There's a family feel and fabric that makes it very exciting to walk into and be a part of. The timing is fantastic. Matt, I'll put to you, did the family-driven culture lure, or was it a big part of luring Steve Nash to the Nets, that sort of family vibe that we've heard, not just from Steve here, but from guys like Damari Carroll, Ed Davis, you know, they've been able to bring their families into the family rooms. At the, at the training center, uh, and there's the airplane and, and being able to bring their families and stuff. How important do you think that was to Steve Nash and being able to really sort of have that passion for this job? Well, he hit every, you know, he hit every single Brooklyn buzzword, uh, family, culture. I mean, those were, that's it right there. I was like, all right, this guy's a Brooklyn net. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that always attract. I mean, you have to think about a couple things. One, Brooklyn's just a cool place to live. And, like, you know, even right now when the world's kind of going through it a little bit, um, it's it's still a, a cool place to raise a family. Like, if you live in somewhere like Park Slope or something like that, that's going to appeal to it. And, um, you know, he's, he's close with Sean Marks uh, from playing days and just from after that. So... I, he's presumptively only going to hear just wonderful things because Marx is the uh, the architect behind so much of this family uh, culture stuff. So yeah, I'm sure it played a huge part. It, it plays. It seems to play a big part for just about anybody who comes into Brooklyn, stars included. Yeah, I feel like because he already had that relationship with Sean Marks, it's almost an easier sell on the family thing. And like Jack mentioned, other veterans in the past have talked about it. And even the Nets do do a good job because I think they have like some type of family room for every game where you can have guests in there, whatever it might be. So they go that extra length to make sure guys are feeling comfortable and their family's feeling comfortable. And I think that's just something players really appreciate because I'm sure there's different organizations around the NBA where they you know, really just don't care. You know, they just don't put in that extra effort. And I feel like it means a lot to the players because it's like, oh, wow, they actually care about me as a person, just not on the, the basketball court. Yeah, it feels like three years ago in the Brooklyn Buzz when we were talking about culture again. Let's bring it back. <laughs> Katie and Kyrie were taking all the talk. But uh, we'll move on to another quote. And this one, I guess, st- sticks out because we chatted about it on the last buzz with uh, the other Canadian goat, Nolan Jensen, talking about how It was I, and this is from Steve Nash, I reached out to Sean at some point in the summer. Matt, does this confirm it? Was I wrong? My skepticism was unfounded. It was Steve Nash that wanted this job. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know what to make it. It's an interesting story around this hiring other than it being, you know, Steve Nash coming to the Nets. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I'm like still kind of skeptical of it. I mean, maybe they got in contact and he texted him, I don't know, about like, hey, what's your favorite bottle of red wine? And it turned into that. Uh, Maybe he actually reached out and said this coaching thing. I don't know. It just seems, I still think it's a little hard to buy for me. I don't know what, maybe I need to actually like hear a transcript of the call or or see a a visual of the text for me to believe it with Nash being like, hey, I'm ready to do some coaching. Bring it on. But uh, (laughs) right now, I still, I don't know. I, I still can't quite buy it. I don't know why. I mean, I th- I bought it a little bit more yesterday. I feel like hearing it out of his mouth made me buy it even more today. So I- I'm with Steve Nash here. I did think it was interesting he said the summer because we had reports uh, via Pooch May. saying that, yeah, that the Nets had uh, decided on him in May. And I didn't know. Almost, maybe it was like May 31st. Yeah. He's, he's rounding. Or it was like May 18, which is still closer to June, which is somewhere in the Northern Hemisphere. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, I was thinking maybe that he purposely said that. So it didn't look like they were looking at coaches when they had said, hey, we're not going to look at coaches, you know, why Vaughn is still the coach type of thing. You know what I mean? Like covering Marx's behind and like being like, oh, you know what I mean? So that's what I kind of got with that. Oh, that's some detective work. I mean, you're way better at this. I'm just like, no, I don't believe it. And you've actually done the work here. Uh, you guys talk me into both of these. <laughs> uh, I mean, we, to, we analyze quotes like no other. On, wow. For like, immediate, for like the last three media days, we've spent like three hours analyzing every quote about Karis LeVert and Jared Dudley. Um, this is what we do best. And I'm not sure people enjoy it, but we enjoy it. Uh, 2% insane. success rate, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I guess uh, a big takeaway from a, a lot of, and, and a lot of people jumped on this, was the fact of the, the Kyrie Irving quote. And, and this is the one that sort of uh, pertains to that. Kyrie is one of my favorite players of all time. He's brilliant, skill level, guts, competitiveness, uh, he also said that he's an incredible person um, uh, outlining, you know, the social justice measures that he's taken, the WMBA initiatives. Stephen Kyrie, uh, the relationship and the, the, the bond is there, Mr. Brooks. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I was inter- That part was really interesting to me because I, I don't know. I, I, so the thing with like Kyrie and, and Nash is like, he said, was that on the jump? where he talked about them not quite... Like, it sounded like they didn't have a close... Relate, not close relationship, but not as close as Kyrie and KD. Uh, excuse yeah. me, KD and, and Nash, right? Yeah, that's the vibe that I got. I mean, it, he said multiple times, like, Kevin and I are close or we have a great relationship. And he said more so on the Kyrie front, it was more of a relationship instead of saying, like, good, great, or close. Yeah, that was, like, my big takeaway. So, like, everything else, like, I kind of, like... That, that was just... That was the thing. I was like, huh, well, that's interesting, like, that he w- went out and said that... Um, I don't know which is like which 
and it's probably important to be close with both, but is there one you want to be more close with? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the better of the two, I guess, maybe you would lean to, but maybe like Kyrie's a little bit harder to coach. I don't know. It seemed like he had a relationship with Kyrie. They had like talked when they played. It was like one of those things where you like give a pound mm. and you train occasionally. I think he mentioned they trained in New York five to six years ago. Didn't really mention more than that. One thing I will say about that quote, and I got this vibe from Steve Nash, I feel like he knows how to give compliments that people really appreciate for that specific person, like complimenting Kyrie on the work he does off the court. I think that's something that Kyrie probably really appreciated. And there was a video clip of Nash with KD uh, at some type of event, and he was complimenting, you know, KD, and he was right there. And you could tell he just hit all those spots, and he just understands kind of how people click and how to make things work. And that was just something I got from Nash today. And not to say he's like an ass kisser, but it just is like he knows where to hit and what what what, what makes people tick. And, and I think that that is a key trait of any leader to know what makes them tick and to know what validates them in a way, you know, be it as a teacher, a coach or, or whatever form of leadership that you are in. And furthermore on that, Nick, I'll, I'll get to a quote, but um, I did speak on the latest episode of Just Ball Things NBA podcast. And I said the same thing, that the reason why I think that this is going to be great for the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is because the connection that they're not just going to share on the court, obviously they have superstar minds and superstar talent but how they will connect off the court. And I think that that is sort of what he alluded to here. Uh, he said, it's not about their status, it's about the human being. And, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, we, t we talk about how you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, those sort of personalities, those egos, and they're different sort of guys. Uh, I guess in saying that, Matt, do you think that Steve Nash, in terms of, we, we, we made the comparison to like Jason Kidd and Ty Lue and, and Pop and these sort of guys. Do you think that Steve Nash, personality-wise, is the more ideal fit in terms of connecting with the players on a deeper level than an X's and O's coach. Yeah, I, I would imagine so, just because that's that's like his big selling point, I think, yeah. right? Like yeah, that's, that's like, what I would think. Like that's going to be his thing early on that he's going to, that's going to, I don't want to say buy him time, but if if certain parts of that job are a little overwhelming, if he can fortify strong bonds, that really gives him a lot of leeway. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. I think that's like, well, that's kind of why he got the job other than obviously being, you know, multiple time MVP, one of the greatest point guards of all time, but his ability to communicate with people. And I thought it was brought up today, how he kind of had relationships with everyone from the star player to the 15th man on the bench, you know, a la Sean Marks. So I think that's going to be one of his major skills. And I think that'll allow him to maybe lean on some of his assistants a little bit more, where maybe they take care of some of the game plans and the X's and O's stuff. And he can focus on those relationships early on and grow into really being a true head coach as the season progresses. I hope I'm not stepping on any quotes, but he mentioned something about, about leaning on other people. I don't yep. know. So that's, that's a good point to bring out. Absolutely. And I think that we've sort of, we, again, just to hop back to the previous podcast we did with Nolan, because we made a lot of good points that, are, that pertain to this podcast as well, about the, the difference in personality styles and, and management style and coaching style and leadership style to Jason Kidd and, um, and, and Steve Natch. You know, Jason Kidd, my way or the highway, sort of very egocentric, very individualistic, whereas we know Steve Nash in his history with other teams has been not just, you know, a point guard on the court, but a point guard off the court. You know, Jared Dudley uh, mentions, and I can't remember where I heard this from, but you know, when they were going out to dinners in, in Phoenix and stuff, Steve Nash would order them everything. He's like, and Jared Dudley would go to, would go to Steve, hey, hey uh, Steve, is this, is this fish okay? Is there, is there too much fat in this? Is there too much butter on, on the sauce or whatever? So our guy Steve Nash is, is, is going to be impacting things in, in a lot of ways, and I'm really excited for that. Um, so I, I think that what you, what you guys are mentioning there is is incredibly, incredibly true. Uh, on Furthering on with that, um, the, the, the chat that he made about um, the white privilege comments that we've sort of spoke about on the last podcast, and I guess we can get to here because, you know, uh, Steve spoke about them himself. He says uh, he acknowledges that he has, you know, white privilege and he wants to be a part of change going forward uh, as well. This was a quote from The Undefeated that we didn't get to on previous pods that I wanted to bring to you guys as well. He said this, As a human being, it's hard to live with racial injustice. It's important for white people to take a deep look at what is occurring in our communities and what has been occurring for over 400 years. A component of this conversation needs to be that white people need to not be offensive uh, about white privilege or inequality. They need to just be honest. 
have those conversations and ask ourselves how we feel if we had endured this 400 plus year history. So for me, it's hurtful and it's wrong. That's why I express my opinion on the matters because some of us are hurting and it's not fair. I feel like that comment didn't really, got lost in the wings a little bit and it provided a lot more context to what he said today. So I just want to bring that to you, Matt. And uh, I know you're a, we're all here allies of, of Black Lives Matter and, and addressing racial injustice. So uh, I guess what are your immediate reactions when you hear Steve Nash say that? Yeah, I thought he did a good job. Well, first off, I got to give a hat tip to uh, to my boss Bob Windrum over at Nets Daily for asking the question. Yeah. Asking the question yeah. um, because that took longer than I thought it would <laughs> for somebody to ask. Um, so I'm happy that he was the guy to go do that, and that was a brave move on his part. Um, even braver for for Steve Nash to answer that and not, you know, kind of pussyfoot his way around it. Like he basically went out there and and said, "Hey, like." you know, I'm aware of it. Like I almost, I, I was very surprised by the question when it happened. And then I was even more surprised when I got that answer of him just being like, yeah, I have white privilege and like, I, you need to be aware of it. Like that's the stuff. Like, I think like so much of the next year, especially if you look like me or, or Steve Nash, like that's like the things that you need to be aware of that stuff. There are books you can buy that you can you know, buy a book literally called White Privilege <laughs> and White. So yeah. uh, so that's the stuff that you can you should be doing and learning more about this, because I think it's very integral to really break down these uh, systemic issues that are so ingrained into our culture. So I, I thought it was great. I thought his answer was great. I, he could have just given, again, like a very vanilla answer that was like, well, you know, I'm here for change and all this stuff, but he literally was just—he said it. Like, <laughs> I, I thought it took a lot of balls to say. Yeah, copy and paste everything Matt said, and he took it just head on. And I, I thought he doubled down today. When you mentioned the quote, Jack, from the undefeated piece, and then also he mentioned like he doesn't want to just be like part of it. He wants to be part of the reason that like the Brooklyn Nets are making change with these racial issues. You know, he's not just going to kind of sit to the sideline. He was really authentic about it, and I felt like you know, like Matt said, he answered it the best possible way you could instead of just giving us that vanilla, vague answer that maybe the Nets PR wanted him to give. Well, and the other thing yeah. is it seemed like he was well-read on it. Like, it's, yeah. it, it felt like there was something behind that statement. Like, it just, it felt like there was something there, and it wasn't just, again, like, it didn't feel like a corporate, you know, whatever. Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say any corporations, but let's say, uh, let's make up one. Like, uh, Jack's paper. Like, Jack's paper <laughs> with their PR <laughs> statement. Uh, and, and you know, they, they were like, oh, yeah, we're here. Black Lives Matter you know, that whatever, we're fighting the good fight or whatever. Like he actually was like, it, there was substance behind it. I was like, yes, this is good. I love this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he answered it the way that you just wanted him to answer. And it just felt like it was really, truly what he felt. And like you said, Matt, it was almost like he was prepared for the question in a sense, but not by somebody else, like a PR or a corporation, just by his own thinking and his own mindset. And I feel like that's something I really got from Steve Nash was it felt really authentic today. Like I felt like I know Steve Nash a little bit better than I did before. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for every white person listening to this podcast, not just listen to Steve Nash's comments, but listen to every NBA head coach's comments mm. that is, is white and, and, you know, doesn't have to go through the system, systematic oppression and systematic injustice that every black man, every black woman, every black child uh, has had to go for 400 years in America and has had to endure for hundreds of years here in Australia and around the world as well. So um, I think that to be able to use your voice and use your leadership for change and not just sort of give the, the James Dolan, New York Knicks bullshit PR statements. I'm going to put it in an organization's name on it. And if you're not, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. Why not? So in, in, in that respect, uh, it's, 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 it's refreshing. It's yeah. refreshing. And I, and I think we need to hear more voices like that. And uh, it just makes me proud to be an NBA fan. I, I always, I've always said that on this podcast and, you know, we hear from Steve Kerr consistently. We hear from Greg Popovich consistently. You know, we hear from so many great coaches and the leadership and, and the eloquence that they have in their words is uh, much greater than uh, some Aussie white dude who sings O Canada at the start of the podcast. We'll get to another one. <laughs> You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national treasures like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. 
Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download a DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Uh, (laughs) On his relationship with Kevin Durant, uh, it's a privilege to work with one of the greatest players to ever play the game. He said that Katie's incredibly curious, coachable, and always trying to grow. He has an incredible drive, work ethic, toughness, and historical talent. Uh, Is he talking about that uh, baseball throw, Matt, or or, or is he talking about his basketball talent? (laughs) I think it's the baseball throw, right? It's got to (laughs) be. He looked pretty smooth. He was he was looking great out there. I was like, all right, I'm ready to see you play basketball. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, I think you know he, it's it's it, um, it just makes me happy seeing him. These he again very good at with the compliments. So I'm with it. Yeah, I think uh, you just kind of hit on all the spots. You know, KD, he knows what he's getting with KD. The relationship's there and letting him know what he thinks of him, which I'm sure he's already done in the past. But showcasing as a coach, I think that's always like something your players appreciate when you're really like you take your compliment like to that next level, saying he's a historical talent, like an all-time great. That's what KD wants to hear. And like he, he deserves to hear it too because he's not like blowing hot air into him. Like this is a guy who is an all-time great and has the potential to even you know grow and continue to climb those ranks. Yeah, compliments matter when they're coming from people who have a bit of standing in whatever yeah. you know field that they're in. You know, if uh, I was to be giving Kevin Durant a compliment, it's just like, who's this long boy <laughs> scrubbed down in Melbourne, Australia? But if it's come from Steve Nash, uh, it means something. And and again, it sort of relates, I guess, to the Kyrie Irving sort of stuff in terms of what he's saying, and in terms of you know, we all have our own sort of not love language, but just, I guess, sort of just language in general that we know and and communication style. And it seems to me, uh, I'm going to steal something from, I think it was The Athletic, and just talk about the emotional intelligence that Steve Nash Mm. has. The emotional intelligence is is off the Richter scale. If we were to do one of those psychological scales, personality style sort of things, Steve Nash is made to be a coach. He's made to work with groups of people. And I, I think that that is evident in terms of how he's communicated so far. I think the hardest thing is when he's actually going to be coaching. And we've sort of spoken about that. You know, Matt alluded to, to some of the weaknesses of, of him. Obviously, there are plenty of them. We're not addressing them, uh, I guess, so far because we don't have really a sample size to look at and go, well, he was uh, poor in, in his time in Orlando as a blah, blah, blah. Well, he was, you know, we know we haven't, we've got no sample size to look at. So I guess when he did speak about the, the coaching style, I'll, I'll sort of bring it to you guys because we spoke about that again on our last pod. I feel like Steve Nash, Sean Marks are subscribed to the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Spotify, because there's still a lot of our ideas. And I'm, I'm with it. Look, look, I'm totally with it. But in saying that... Just cut us a check. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we need to get a, at least about 20% so we can split it three ways. You know, uh, Australian dollars, currencies are a little bit up and down. But uh, in saying that, uh, Steve Nash said this about the, the stylistic style of... The style of play. Obviously, I think one of the most important things is to start on the defensive end. Be strong in defensive transition and in the half court. And on offense, for our team, we have a talented group. We definitely want to use the talent, speed, athleticism, versatility of our players that are able to make plays for each other. The skill is profound in our roster, and we want to put them in a position where they can express themselves and in a way where they can be very difficult to cover. Make teams make a lot of decisions and potentially a lot of mistakes make them difficult to guard. It's still a work in progress. I definitely have, like I said, my principles and my preconceived notions. But this is, to allude to what Matt and and you were saying, Nick, a collaborative effort. And it's something that I'm going to build with my staff, with the roster that we have in mind. Uh, I said this about 80 times on, on two podcasts ago. Music ears, music ears, music to ears. Yeah, definitely music ears. Uh, I, I, I'm very happy he realizes that defense is going to be a big thing for them. 
because I I'm just curious to see what they're going to do defensively. Um, they have on the outside looking in. I think because you're going to be playing DeAndre Jordan, there's only so many ways you can deploy a defense. I feel like in a lot of ways, like I guess you could switch screens at the top of the key and and I and drop the big and you could kind of fluctuate between that and zone. But I, either way, it seems like he's going to prioritize finding a way that works for this team. And I think that's smart because that will be, to be com- completely honest about this, uh, their biggest question. And I think this is just like a great coaching trait. Obviously, like Jack said, we haven't seen him coach yet. But being willing to adapt, not coming in and being like, hey, we're going to run this system offensively. We're going to run this system defensively. No, he's going to go to practice. He's going to work with assistant coach. He's going to work with the players on the team and find out what works best and kind of adapt to that and using whatever skills or whatever players he has on the team to get the most out of them instead of being like, hey, we're going to try to fit a circle into a square slot or something like that, which you see with coaches a lot during the NBA. So I think Nash already being willing to adapt is a huge plus. Absolutely. You know, um, malleability, I think the word um, that Nolan used, and it's a word that I absolutely love. I use it quite a bit. So clearly the vocab is on point in Canada and Australia. But in, <laughs> in terms of the, the defensive side of things, I, I'm hoping that the thing that I'm most intrigued about is what is what are the de- defensive minds that he's going to bring in to sort of mm. bring that? Because that is, no, no offense, Steve Nash wasn't some all-time defender. He wasn't Chris Paul or John Stockton, you know, he, he got his steals here and there, but, you know, he made his buck because he was a, an absolutely uh, immense offensive force. And you know, Jacques Vaughn certainly has some knowledge there. He's obviously seen what the Brooklyn Nets have done this season under Kenny Atkinson and Jacques Vaughn and the rest of the coaching staff. So, you know, to be eighth in defensive rating of the base of the talent that is currently on the roster is insane. You know, I have no idea how the heck that happened. I don't, I, I honestly think, it's going, to, it's going to seem very strange. But I think the addition of Katie and Kyrie is going to make the defense worse. And I think that there's going to need to be additions to the roster, either through trade or through free agency, to make or maintain or improve the defensive sort of side of things. Because I think Katie was an incredible defender in Golden State. I don't think he got a lot of credit for it. And I think that in a similar way to what LeBron is doing now, uh, against the Houston Rockets is what KD could do for us if he's 100% fit and firing. But I honestly think that I don't think that's where he, that's where he's going to take steps back. Kyrie Irving has always been one of the worst point guard defenders in the league. He was decent in Boston because of the the system that was in place for for, for Boston and for Brad Stevens. So I think that there are going to be, need to be tweaks that are made. And like Matt sort of said, adjustments made on the fly. And like Nick, like Nick, like you said, you know, being able to go, all right, this isn't working. How are we going to keep sort of making this work? Because I think offensively, you know, there is an abundance of talent on the roster. So I don't think there's going to be much problems there. It's just about how is he going to make it all work and, and sort of get it all to, to mesh, to, to get the... To get the pieces working, to get that, you know, the it all sort of flowing and in a, in a nice groove and a nice symbiosis, so to speak. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all sort of works in that sort of respect. But Yeah, uh, the get... offense, I think, Jack, like you said, it's almost like five to ten different ways where they could attack and be successful because of the different skill where defensively you're kind of worried a little bit. I think with KD, like obviously I don't expect him to be at the same level as Golden State, but I think from even just like a defensive basketball IQ perspective, he's going to be better than Torian Prince and Rodion's. You know what I mean? In terms of what he could provide and like... Like Wilson Chandler I'm still was saying much though. No, but I'm saying yeah. you're saying he was going to make it worse. Like I'm still saying that's an upgrade, even if KD doesn't have the full athleticism. Like he at least is a, a capable defender in terms of like understanding what the defense wants out of him. Where like let's be honest, like Torian Prince didn't know what he was doing, Rodion didn't know what he was doing, and Wilson Chandler is like towards the end of his career. So I think even like over those guys, Durant should still be an upgrade at 80. percent I agree, but here, so let me let me hit on this a little bit. Uh, the so like. I kind of worry with them is that they have three guys that might get targeted. And it feels weird to say KD is a guy that get targeted. I don't mean that in like, oh, KD can't defend. I mean that more of like the other team's going to see him and say, hey, let's try to tire him out. I don't know if that's a weird. No, they're going to make him work, especially because he's coming back from injury. And I think I would do the same thing. Right. So tactically, I'm looking at it kind of like they have an interesting spot. DJ, I don't care what. Like who you have co- coaching, that guy's gonna get targeted in in pick and roll switches every single time. You are going to make him have to get over screens or switch on screens, uh, which you know or or whatever or pop. I guess more likely cover the guy who's popping in a pick and pop situation. Um, that's gonna happen to him a lot. And really, really, really good 
point guards, wings, um, you know, Luca, LeBron, guys like that, Chris Paul, wherever he may be next year, those guys are going to target a guy like like uh, like DeAndre. If the other guard involved in this equation is Kyrie Irving, that's also another guy you can attack. So it's he's got a lot to figure out. Do you guys think that Nash will be like willing to push against Katie and Kyrie and look at Jared Allen as a starter? Like based off they, of how he should. Like he plays <laughs> so well where it's like it gets to a point where like Kevin Durant even has to understand like Jared Allen is a substantially better player than DeAndre Jordan at this point in his career. You know, DeAndre was great with the Clippers, but he's not that same guy anymore. Yeah, isn't That's... that the, the schism and the lo- like isn't that if you're looking at anything, would that be the schism in the locker room? Love that word. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that it is, it's going to be the, you know, it's, could it, it, it was probably a contributing factor in, in, in Kenny Atkinson firing, but if yep. it's coming from Steve Nash, does it mean more? Because yeah. he, he has the, I guess, a bit more respect and gravity than Kenny Atkinson has. No offense to, to what Kenny's done. It's just that the, the respect that you get from being a two-time MVP and Hall of Famer, it, it's just different. You know, mm. it's superstar privilege as, you know, we've mentioned on previous sort of pods. So I, re- I actually really hope he does because Jared Allen is our only above average defender on the roster. But just to put it plainly and simply as individuals yep. and to be able to protect the rim at a really high level, to be able to switch it out. And, and, and I think to be able to transform that defense in ways that make it a bit more diverse and be able to throw different looks out there and not be as limited as Matt was sort of alluding to when talking about DeAndre Jordan. I really hope so, but we don't know what this roster is going to look like. And I will get to some quotes about that. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that, how those dynamics play out within the team, the players on court, off the court. Um, It's going to be, it's going to be juicy, guys, and uh, we'll be covering all of it. But uh, in saying that, he did speak about uh, the the highest-paid assistant coach in the NBA, Jacques Vaughn, and he said, "I think Jacques' quality speaks for himself. Incredibly high-character individual, hard work, extremely hardworking, extremely prepared, all-round top human being. So to have uh, people like that to work with every day is incredible." But also what he's done for this organization, the work he's put in, the building he's done from a cultural and basketball standpoint. The inside knowledge here is invaluable to continue to have some continuity. I couldn't really think of a better person to have alongside me to work, to learn from, collaborate with. So I feel very fortunate that we do remain and willing to be a part of this and continue what we started here because he has fingerprints all over this. Uh, was he reading the Nets Daily uh, interview with you and Nolan about that co-coaching stuff? Because it certainly uh, thinks so. He must have been listening to the previous pod about it as well. Uh, it certainly thinks so. Yeah, man, that's the so a couple things have sold like really sold me um, on him in the last let's say 24 hours because I was definitely more pessimistic 24 hours. It's been a big up and down. This is gonna be the nature I think of having a rookie head coach. It's yeah, like yeah. I'm just gonna have certain days where I'm like this sucks, and then other days I'm gonna be you know a, just over the moon about this. So so a couple things stood out. A the social justice obviously that's good stuff. Uh, B I think his insistence on you know it seems like he really knows how to appease the stars on this roster it seems like a real strength for him right now he's just saying all the right things to these guys and then the one that really really matters to me is that he has mentioned he has made an insistence that he needs a good team around him which I think right now if you're looking at comparing him to Jason Kidd is such a huge difference. He's being, he's almost being too humble. I'm like, Steve Nash, like, you don't have to like talk about yourself like you're this, like, you know, uh, the, I don't even know, undrafted free agent, uh, you know, like a coach or whatever. I'm trying to come up with like a, a comp for that. Like, you can have a little bit of pride about some of this. Like, you can be like, nah, I got this. But I love it though. I think it's really smart. And I think it's smart to involve Vaughn. And I think I'm growing kind of increasingly excited about who they're who else are going to hire and how they're going to build out his staff like matt said the willingness to depend on others especially knowing that you might not be super elite at this position or not know understand everything is so crucial and you brought up jason kidd jason kidd had lawrence frank on his staff and like uh i think it was like 10 to 15 games in the season they got into a big fight in the locker room and then lawrence frank was writing up reports the rest of the season was off the bench so and it just feels like the complete opposite of steve nash he's willing to listen to others and have them have an impact and influence on what he does as a coach so that was a major plus and i think having vaughn there is going to be huge not only because 
because of his experience. But like you mentioned, the connection Vaughn already has with the players in the team, especially the ones not being Katie and Kyrie. You know, Vaughn's been there, I think, from the start when Kenny Atkinson got the job. So having him there with all the connection between Karras, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, it's going to be huge. Oh, big time. Absolutely big time. And, you know, Jacques Vaughn deserves to be the, the, the highest paid assistant in the NBA with what he's done with the Brooklyn Nets organization, what he did in Orlando. Um, absolutely outstanding head coach on and off the court. Um, to add a little bit of detail. A quick question uh, for you guys on Vaughn. I, I've been finding this really intriguing. I've been seeing, obviously, we have a lot of coaching vacancies, OKC, New Orleans, uh, you know, all opening up and in the Pacers. And I've seen Vaughn's name mentioned as a possible candidate. Could you see him leaving the Nets after signing this assistant coach deal? Or is, you know, he locked in for this at least season? Oh, I, I think there's absolutely a chance right now. I wonder what they know. Like, I, because I thought it was curious he didn't test the market, right? Like, yeah. he's coming off. giving like, him hefty, hefty money. I guess. I, I guess that's got to be it, right? It's it's just money talks in this situation. But, no, I thought that was really interesting. And, like, you know, now you have the Thunder's job opening up, which is I thought was unusual. But, like. Hey, that makes a lot of sense. All of a sudden, like the guy that Vaughn replaced, uh, or, or or yeah, like you know, with Kenny Atkinson might be a leading candidate over there. I'm like, I just thought that was interesting. Like to to kind of decide on this huge decision before you even really tested the market. Yeah, and I'm wondering, depending on how much money it is, depending on you know family stuff in terms of you know having to relocate because the the mm. life of a head coach is incredibly unstable as a, as a profession in general so now that he has that stability monetarily and you know within the the job sort of consistency you know how what is the difference between say you know he would be a, a he would be on a, a relatively sort of low salary compared to what Steve Nash is on, compared to what Pop is on, compared to what those guys are on. And what is the difference there? Is it $1 million, $2 million? And, you know, is it is that worth the, the inconsistency? I don't know. I, I certainly think that Javon is a head coach. You know, he has proven himself to be a head coach um, through what he did in Orlando. And obviously he had some time and he, he learned um, from what when he was the, the head coach for the Orlando Magic, not just when he was in the Orlando bubble. So I I think that it's it's interesting because we can only speculate about what that contract that he did sign with to make him the richest assistant uh, in the NBA is. You know, is it worth three million dollars? Is it worth five million dollars? You know, it, it's it's anyone's guess. But uh, as long as he is comfortable and he's given freedom to direct his own sort of path, um, and it's not just like all right, you have to stay here. Um, and you can't, you know, if any opportunities come, you can't do it. I doubt that's the case, to be honest. Um, it, it would be, it would surprise me if he wasn't given some semblance of freedom uh, in that sort of respect. So uh, I, I'm a bit skeptical, uh, I guess, in general about it. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing because, like, he is the lead assistant, so you would assume that he's kind of committed to the season because you're going to build the rest of the staff and assuming he's going to be there. But what happens if, you know, the Pacers interview him and they're like, oh, we really want you as a head coach or something like that? It, it's an interesting situation. It is. It absolutely is. And to provide a bit of nuance and detail to the Kyrie and KD stuff, um, um, Nick shared me literally about minutes ago in the DMs a, a bit more extensive quotes uh, in relation to that. And the, and the part that sticks out to me here, Matt and Nick, is he, this is him talking uh, about Kyrie. I got a chance to speak to him since taking the job. I'm excited to develop that relationship, watching him continue to show greatness on the floor and to continue to get to know him in a really meaningful way because he's an incredible person. Um, with a little more detail, a little more nuance, Matt, I guess the, the relationship is only going to continue to build from here. Yeah, I mean, I think that it'll be interesting. I, I, I wonder, like, what for them next year, like, they're all, they all have something to prove. So it's going to be for Kyrie. It's He's got these demons of, I mean, dude, I, let's let's be honest for one second. There's a chance that the team that he was on last year is going to go to the finals. So he's got a big thing to deal with. Durant's got a big thing to deal with coming out of Golden State. Uh, he's got a lot to prove. And then Nash being this rookie head coach who's um, been lambasted by uh, guys in Brooklyn who are <laughs> sitting in a one-bedroom apartment on certain <laughs> podcasts. Uh, and then also dealing with all the... You know, just the, the just a, a lot of opinions since since you know he's really been hired. So um, I I think that they all have a lot to prove, and I wonder if that's a big bonding thing for them.
Yeah, they all come with a kind of almost a big chip on their shoulder of like, hey, you, we don't think you're going to be successful. And even when the Nets signed Katie and Kyrie, people were like, oh, these two aren't going to win a championship. How long until, you know, they want to get split up or demand a trade? Or, you know, the thing with Kenny was like, how long until he gets fired? And it's going to be the same thing with Nash. People are already questioning how they're getting along. So like Matt said, this could be an area where they can bond or the whole team can kind of take it as like, we're the villain and we're going to buy into that. Yeah, I think that there's going to be narratives aplenty to sort of draw from. You know, you, as, a, as a coach, you know, it's a it's a long slog, an 82-game season, if it is an 82-game season next year. Um, and I think that Steve Nash will be like, well, did you see what this was said here? Do you hear all these headlines here? Or all those sort of things. You know, when there is a, a little bit of staleness within the locker room to reinvigorate them, that's, uh, that he's not going to be short of superlatives and, and analogies to sort of draw on. And I think that that's something... Yeah, I think that these guys are professional enough. And when you're looking at Kyrie and Katie, both championship players, they know what it takes to get there. So in, in that sort of respect, they understand, you know, the, the rigors of the 82-game season and then the, the playoffs and, and maintaining their championship habits is a, is a key sort of thing that Kevin Durant has, has focused on quite a bit. So in saying that, you know, I think that they're not going to be short of, of, of desires and motivations, but I also think that the desire to win a championship a desire to have success individually and as a collective is going to be bigger than any of the the naysayers overall. Despite the fact that uh, I'm sure some of the the bots and the DMs are, are certainly going to be jumping into Kyrie and Katie a plenty throughout the next 12 months or so. Nash did say, uh, I can't remember, it was during the press conference on the jump or the fan, saying that he was happy that he had a roster full of so many guys that love basketball. You know, that they really, like, love the game, and that's why they continue to get better. You know, I think the example you used was Karis Avert. The reason, like, you continue to see him improve is that he loves the game and he wants to be, you know, the best possible player he can be. We kind of talked about that with uh, KD, and obviously Kyrie being one of the most skilled players maybe of all time, you look at that too. So I think having a lot of guys that love basketball will be another area where they can bond because, you know, Nash is one of the greatest point guards of all time for a reason. Absolutely. Yeah. And Karis is interesting because that's another relationship guy. Uh, you yeah. got those workout photos that circulated, for, I think, through Pooch uh, of of Nash and Durant and, and Karis all working out together. So and Kilpatrick. Really and Kilpatrick. That's before my time. You guys know I just popped up out of nowhere, <laughs> out of the void one day in Nets Twitter. So. And it, well, let's get to Karis. You know, he, he spoke about him on uh, WFAN and he said... Karras is the kind of guy who can attack and make the first domino fall. There's still a lot to be determined, but Karras is versatile. He can start, he can come off the bench and finish that Ginobili role, or he comes off the bench but finishes games. Uh, again, these guys need to stop listening to our podcast and still our ideas, or at least hire me as an assistant coach or some sort of consultant. You know, I, I, I can you know, fly over there once this uh, pandemic is, is alleviated. Matt, what do you think of those comments about our Knicks' favorite player, CLVPG? Uh, yeah, like, I, doesn't it feel like that <laughs> we've had that conversation, like, 19 times about, like, yeah, so doesn't it make sense if, if Karis LeVert plays with the bench guys a little bit more? I think we've probably had that dialogue about, I don't even know how many times on this podcast. So, yeah, it's good to hear that that, that thought has gone to the mainstream. I, I, I have to say, that's a, it's a cool thing. I think, again, the, I like the flexibility. I like him not necessarily just being like, oh, okay. I'm a new head coach, I, and because of that, I'm just going to play my best guys all the time and only play them together. Like, it seems like he's actually willing to really experiment with stuff, which kind of eases my biggest worry, which is just going to be the adjustments and the normal things that kind of take a while to figure out as a head coach. So I, I think that's a good sign, right? You can't feel anything but good but uh, when you hear that, right? Yeah. Nick, what did you think about uh, CLVPG in the comments from uh, Mr. Polo himself, Steve Nash? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an exciting thing. Uh, just like hearing, like Matt said, that Nash w is willing to adapt and try different things. It kind of reminds me of Nick Nurse. We see do that a ton during the postseason, during the regular season. And like we've mentioned, we talked about Karras maybe fitting that role a little bit better, especially as his games expand and he's been able to do so well with the ball in his hands. And obviously he's not going to do that as much with Kyrie and Katie on the floor. So you just like, you know, Nash talking about that. And you mentioned, I think, Karras being very coachable as well. So that's just like another plus. And you could see all these elements working out and how all the pieces are going to fit some point really have no idea at this moment or even if Levert's going to be on the team yeah and I will mm. get to that as our final sort of quote but one thing I am intrigued about and one thing I'm fascinated by is that Steve Nash has you know taught and sort of noticed kinks in the shooting of KD and Stephen Curry mm. probably the two best shooters I've, we've ever seen can he 
be a guy that provides tutelage um, to Karis Levert and sort of go, look, this is where we see you doing it well. This is how you can do it better off the catch. This is how you can do it better off the dribble. That's one thing, you know, if you know Karis Levert does stick around uh, in Brooklyn, then I'm, in, I'm, I'm excited to see. You know, obviously there are plenty of shooting coaches, plenty of one-on-one assistants, but I think Steve Nash, you know, is one of the most efficient scorers in the history of the game. You know, nearly... Uh, if he doesn't average a 50-40-90 across most of the season of his career, he's damn near close. So that's one thing that really does fascinate me, to be honest. I think yeah. especially with... Go, uh, go ahead, Matt. No, no, you go, you go. Your point's going to be better. I hope so. Now, uh, with, <laughs> with Karras being a new, newish type of point guard, I think maybe he can almost benefit the most from working with Steve Nash. Uh, upon the jump shot, like Jack mentioned, and willing to give Steph Curry advice, and Steph's not going to really take advice from many people other than, I think, uh, Steve Kerr said Steve Nash or his dad. So, yeah. like, he'll be willing to, Karras will be willing to take that advice and maybe he can turn him into a better player and kind of just teach him some of the small little things about being a point guard and ways he can have an advantage because like i mentioned before like nash wasn't this incredibly gifted athlete you know it's not like he's the biggest guy on the court or the fastest guy on the court so there's just like little things that nash knows how to do to get that advantage and i think that could be really beneficial to a young well youngish player like karis lavert i'm gonna extend it beyond karis lavert i'm gonna say it might actually help even like like somebody like Kyrie, like some of doing just having somebody in there that can teach guys a little bit more about how to wiggle free for for space off ball I, I could see that really benefiting them quite a bit. I mean, obviously, like for Karis Silverto, it would be a mechanics thing and just trying to get some consistency in that because I think that's something we've all kind of had a little hand-wringing about on this podcast. But uh, but even just for somebody like Kyrie, like, hey, you know, here's what you can do if you're whatever, if you, if you, you know, hand the ball off like at, at, at midcourt, here's a cut that you could do um, and, and just sort of make them all – like, you know, really like kind of like that Raptors team where they're all just humming and, and purring off each other and just, you know, again, just being just a, a, a really holistic offense. I'd be curious about that. I feel good about that. One thing that like I always think about with Steve Nash, I don't know why, but like I you probably recall this, Matt, like seeing Nash always dribble into the paint and go underneath the rim and like yeah. come at it. So I could see him doing a lot with Kyrie with that, where sometimes like Kyrie gets lost and he gets like he picks up the dribble a little bit too close to the paint where like, hey, just keep going. You have the handles. And I feel like that was an area that Nash just and it really annoyed defenses because they didn't know what to really do in that situation because the big was like, oh, do I help over here? The point guard's chasing him. Then maybe you could get the switch you want. And I feel like that was an area that Nash really attack defenses and maybe Kyrie could do that even you know at a similar level yeah isn't there like he's got to have the best handle in the league to do that to tiptoe along the baseline like yeah. I, I think that's pretty good and and it's funny they what you could start seeing is that you know the way that they that the Warriors are really using Steph I don't think it's a coincidence that Steph started doing that thing where he would dribble under the basket flip yeah. it to somebody and then actually use them to set a, a flare screen for him in the corner um, you, I'm sure you guys can remember the play where he flips it to the guy and then the guy sets yep. a it's, it's the coolest shot and it requires a ton of balance and and just fluidity. Um, that would be an awesome play for Kyrie Irving, who I've, I've seen him hit plenty of fadeaway shots in the corner. <laughs> KD can do it too. I mean, oh, shoot, yeah. I think of the the play against the, uh, the Grizzlies. Remember the shot where he was falling out of bounds? Yeah. Um, that's another shot that you could see that you could see so... Maybe, maybe they start really using every angle of the court. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely get to on some future pods about how Steve Nash can impact these guys individually and not just, you know, KD, Kyrie and Karras, but we'll get to guys like the, the rest of the roster. But the last thing I wanted to bring you guys was, I guess, about the, the core and the roster in general. And he said this, I expect the core to be there. I'm planning on this core being there, but in the NBA, you have to be adaptable and know that anything can happen. So I'm planning around this group. I'm thrilled with this roster. Looks like he's, uh, as for those that don't watch, it's always sunny. Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. He's playing, he's doing the max style where he's playing both sides so that he always comes out on top. What do you think there, Matt? <laughs> yeah, he hedges bets pretty, <laughs> like, uh, he really hedges it on both sides. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I'd, I mean, look, like, that's got to be the weirdest question because it's not really your job at all unless you're, like, that's Stan Van Gundy in the Pistons or for the Pistons where it's Awful. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, where it's like, it's not really his job, but he's inherently probably going to know quite a bit about it, but he can't really talk about that. I mean, it's just, it's not his, it's not his side of things. So yeah, it was, it, it, he's just so media trained, man. Like that was the thing I was laughing about. I was like, 
oh, there's no crack in this guy. Like, there's nothing. You're not going to get anything out of him. You're not going to flummox him. You're not going to... I mean, the way he handled that that question about white privilege, I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. Like, there's no point even trying to Steve there's, <laughs> there's no ums. There's certainly no ums. Yeah. No ums. <laughs> uh, but, guys, next time we're going to have even more Nash news, even more Nash stuff to analyze. I'm sure there'll be plenty of other Nets news to, to pop out as well. Um, will Steve Nash do up the top button of his polo? Who knows? We'll make sure. <laughs> Does he tuck in the pants to his socks? Does he wear socks? All that oh. and more on the next Brooklyn Buzz. <laughs> and you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win the season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.